Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Hey, good morning, church. How are you today? I hope that uh, you were blessed by the worship. I definitely was. And, uh, you know, even then, like, God was just really just dropping a lot of things, even for the word today. Now, we're going to continue with EF series and during faith series this morning. And um, I have a friend who's pretty close who has been, you know, praying for her son uh, who's been battling really bad eczema. Uh, for years, and uh, you know, just just having a really hard time in terms of like getting cure and finding remedies and seeing healing, and uh, another friend uh, who's quite close as well. Uh, we were in the young adult ministry together many years ago, and uh, you know, there were issues with her parents, and uh, you know, just marriage problems, and uh, even with prayer and a lot of conversations and you know, the hope in her heart that her family stays intact, um, you know, uh, didn't come to fulfillment. And so today, her parents are no longer together, and uh, she uh, is just learning to cope with the situation. And uh, this morning, I just felt like even reminded of uh, one of our children, uh, so um, has this pain in the leg um, that comes occasionally. And, and even then, like when it does come, it comes pretty acute. Uh, uh, it's not very often, but when it comes, we, we pray, we pray for healing. Uh, and we, ha- uh, we are still praying uh, for the pain to go away so that, that it wouldn't come. Now, our understanding of prayer uh, um, is, is oftentimes we would relate it as this conversation with God, right? It's, it's dialogue, it's, it's talking to God, and, and that's all true. But when we talk about petition, you know, when we talk about intercession, petition or, you know, when we make our needs known to God or intercession, where we pray for someone on behalf of someone or a group of people or a nation and all that in our intercession, it's, it's, uh, um, it's, it's a place where we're expecting an answer, right? We are expecting that such that God hears, he cares enough, he answers prayer, and he is calling us to bring all our concerns, our burdens to him, and to not be anxious. John 16, 24 says, Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you receive that your joy may be full. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Right? Most of you have heard these verses before. You've seen it on some cards or you know graphics somewhere. But can God answer prayers? Right where you are. Yes. Have you seen God answer prayers? Yes, for sure. Have you seen some prayers go unanswered? Yes. So today we're delving into the topic of unanswered prayer together. Uh, To me, it's a pretty loaded topic. Maybe it is for some of you as well. Uh, But whatever it is, wherever you are at in terms of this, I invite us to just pray together just for a minute. Father, Father, we come to you and we bring our hearts to you. And even as Tim prayed earlier that... uh, May our whole hearts be present with you right this minute. And Lord, whatever it is that will be shared, even from here, from my lips, 
I pray uh, that beyond that, not even the words, beyond that, that your presence would just permeate all of our hearts, all of our homes, our households, right where we are and into all our situations. And this morning, for every heart, I pray a specific word from you right through that gives life, that gives hope, that lives our faith, because that is the kind of God you are. And so we just commit this word into your hands and the verses we'll be looking at today. And we ask that you deal with our hearts, that you work within us, and you walk with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, question, why do we talk about unanswered prayer? Um, it's part of enduring faith, yes, no? It's, it, it's, it's prevalent, it's super common, and, and most of us, although we don't talk about it very often, uh, I would say all of us have some form of experience with unanswered prayer. The truth is, whatever you have gone through or have not, you will have some pains or questions that you have yet to fully process. Uh, uh, something that, you know, is still kind of a burning question or a lingering kind of doubt in our hearts, right, emotionally, or maybe um, intellectually. Some of us would have questions that are yet to be answered. And, and, and perhaps there are times when just, uh, you know, a, a glance or an overview of these would be enough to pull us through or we just get on and go through the motions. But there may come times when it becomes such a source of pain and frustration and discouragement and, and just even anger that we must work through uh, uh, that, it, that it, it must be a necessary part of our journey of faith in God. And we call this diagram, critical journey uh, diagram that we looked at even from the first, uh, the intro of our series, where we talked about the different stages of faith. And so unanswered prayer is inevitably part of these stages throughout. But I would say sometimes specifically in the lower part here is when the, it really hits us. And, and so almost so that it, it, it feels like you're stuck or it's just something that you need to press through and see breakthrough, if not, right? So that's where perhaps some of you are at, and not all, but that's where most of us would go through. And we know even oftentimes from traditionally through history, the church can be not as honest as the Bible, even about unanswered prayer. Uh, interestingly, a couple years ago, I saw this survey uh, done by Barna, and it was done with uh, 15,000 plus, 15,300-ish people around the world, 25 countries, and um, Singapore was one of them. And so uh, out of the 15,500 uh, uh, respondents were from Singapore. And it's interesting because uh, notice how, uh, so the Axis Singapore, the round beige one uh, stands, it represents Asia, and then black dash is total. Out of the total samples of 15,000, right, uh, you would see that for somehow an answered prayer right here, uh, Singapore, it, uh, by ratio, by percentage, tops Asia and tops the rest of the total sam samples in terms of that is why people doubt. I thought that was quite outstanding because nowhere else you see the X being on top except maybe here, but that's pretty low. Next one. From our survey that we did, 
uh, I thought I'd pull out a couple of these slides that show us what are some doubts you faced and some of the respondents uh, put various things. So you see about 48% says, I prayed but did not see God work. And then the next question we asked was this in the survey. The next one. The next slide, please. With what kind of unanswered prayer have you wrestled with? And you can see uh, on the slide, on the screen, the different types of unanswered prayer that people wrestle with. So what are some doubts you face and what kind of unanswered prayer you've wrestled with? And that, tell, that, that kind of, like uh, in some ways, some of it surprises, but then also not. But you'll see that actually, and, and even a, a couple of other questions, most of the written responses, not the tick ones, would say that one main reason, one of the key reasons, the top reasons, that causes some form of doubt and just frustration is unanswered prayer, in fact, right? What are some possible reasons for unanswered prayer? I'm going to speed through some of this because the more important part I feel that we need to all hear and lean into is after this part. But bear with me, this part is foundational, this next part what I'm going through. What are some possible reasons for unanswered prayer? When it comes to our un un unanswered prayers, these are some factors that I looked at from Scripture, okay, that impact the outcome when we pray. Firstly, so four, there's my will, there's the other person's will, and then there is the will of evil forces, and then there's God's will. Okay, so four main categories. The first one, my will. And it would, you, I come across verses like in 1 John 3, 22. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So this is in an area of personal sin. Then you have, uh, you know, the factor of living unrepentantly, 1 Peter 3, 12. Uh, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Unforgiveness is another factor. Mark 11, 25. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father, who is in heaven, may also forgive you your trespasses. Right? Are you following? All right, I'm speeding through, but you can check out these verses because we all love Bible study. Yes, amen, now you've got time at home uh, uh, with your Bibles. Uh, ask me if you want some uh, 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 information on which Bibles you want to buy. Next one, wrong motives, James 4.3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly, right? And this is an indicator, it's a factor of wrong motives. It's not just what we pray for, but why we're praying, right? What is the compelling motive uh, behind what we're, what, why, what we're praying and why we're praying. Sometimes it's coming out of a fleshly desire. Sometimes it's our pride uh, that causes us to pray certain things, right? Uh, how about lack of faith? That's the next factor. Matthew 21, 22. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Uh, it almost sounds like, okay, that is the condition, right? How do you measure? Basically, lack of faith. You can see a couple of verses somewhere there. Relational problem is another factor. Matthew 5.24b says, before you come to the altar, right? It says, first be reconciled. If there is something lingering in your relationship with your brother, be reconciled first, and then you come and offer your gift. Uh, the other verse, uh, 1 Peter, is about marital problem. So relational problems is another factor. Next one, not abiding in Christ. John 15.7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Right? So it tells us that, that there is a factor there in terms of abiding 
and our prayer, and the outcome of what we're praying for. Last one, neglect or disregard for the needy, the poor, the disenfranchised, okay? Proverbs 21, 13, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. That's frightening, right? And Isaiah 58 reminds us what true fasting is when we care for those who are needy, right? And these are not exhaustive. The next category we're looking at, the other person's will. Human free will, uh, we see this like in the case of Pharaoh, uh, who, you know, just hardened his heart. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. This is not to say that God's will is like on par with our will, and so it's like, you know, equal playing field. It's not. But it gives, uh, it reminds us that it is a factor that God is not out to control people, right? There is human free will involved. And in most times, in fact, the human free will also takes time. So gradually, kind of like there is an influence, uh, there is like a working in of the kingdom of God, right? Or there is a gradual kind of working where we also play a part. For example, when there's relational brokenness between us and somebody, right? We're not just praying like, God, you know, change that person. Because uh, that's, yeah, because ultimately God's not going to control that person. That person needs to also play his own part or respond. But there's also us playing our part. So there's that, us playing our part. Or when we're praying for someone's salvation, for example, right? There is human free will. There needs to be a patience. So 2 Peter 3.9 reminds us, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as we understand slowness, but he is patient. And uh, oftentimes, uh, we need to be reminded that these are factors, okay? So next, third category. Are you okay? Yes. Evil forces, evil, uh, will. First, fallenness. Uh, Romans 8, 20, 21 reminds us that all of creation is subjected to bondage, decay, right? Because of the fallenness uh, since the fall in, in creation. And, and, and it reminds us that there is corruption because of that, bondage to decay uh, in the world. And so this brokenness is part of what uh, plays a factor when we pray. And the outcome of what we pray is not as we desire, or perhaps comes too slowly, or it's really uh, perhaps downright a no for whatever reason. Or the other also, which last week Pastor Andre mentioned, is spiritual opposition. Right? When spiritual forces oppose the will of God is when there's a, then there's the factor in the outcome of our prayer. Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? but against spiritual forces of evil, that which we can't see. And there is a need, thirdly, to persevere. Because oftentimes, just like we see in um, the book of Job, or the book of Daniel, when we pray, perhaps God is answering just not according to our time and not according to our way. Uh, and that, you know, like in Daniel's case, his prayer was being answered, but it just took 21 days. Daniel 10, 12 to 13. We need to persevere. And so that's a factor. It's not just I pray once, twice, and then, okay, God, you're not answering my prayer. Right, and there's a need to persevere oftentimes, or that the, just a reminder that the delay in the reply is not God denying us, right? Because there is the element of spiritual forces. So Luke 18 reminds us of the widow who was persistent right, and kept 
banging on the door. And so the verse goes in verse 1 and verse 5, when Jesus tells this parable, this widow, because she keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. So there's a need to persevere because of evil forces will. All right, fourth one. I know that's a lot, okay? So happy Bible study. God's will, divine perspective. What do I mean by this? Now, Ephesians 2, 4 to 7 tells us, but God, okay, because we were dead in sin, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love when we were dead, he made us alive. And verse 7 goes on to say, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. Now, if we see his divine perspective, we see that the way that he sees the coming ages is not the way we see. And so when we say divine perspective, God is doing, working out his plan. And in the coming ages, he wants to show us his immeasurable riches. Now, where we are, we can't see all of the riches of his grace, but from divine perspective, he can. And that includes also sometimes how if I'm praying for, for example, I don't know, not many of us perhaps pray for parking lot, but some of us perhaps do. Or maybe... Uh, you know, I'm praying for like, oh, you know, I'm looking for this particular thing on carousel and like, please let me find it at this price and all that. And someone else is probably praying the same prayer, right? And how, how, do, you, how do you then reconcile that? How do you reconcile then like, oh, you know, God's going to answer every prayer, everybody's satisfied and all of the laws of nature are met. We sometimes cannot see what God can with our finite view. But God can, and sometimes our prayers can be harmful to others. Uh, when we talk, talk about uh, battle or you know, being territorial about a certain place or a certain a home or whatever it is, whose answer does God, whose prayer does God answer? It's complicated to us, but God's divine perspective is more than that, right? And there's also the element of God's protection. 1 Thessalonians 5, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May, you, may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless. He who calls you is faithful. Sometimes we can't see, not even in hindsight, how God has been protecting us. And when we pray certain things or when we pray on behalf of others, uh, it's hard for us to conceive or we just don't understand. We plain don't understand. But there is an element of God's protection over the situation. Next factor, God is, in fact, growing our faith. God is the author and perfecter of our faith, right? So James 1 tells us, count it all joy, uh, my, my brothers, when you meet trials, because the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And we know that. We've been looking at that the first couple of weeks of the series. Next factor, aligning with God's will. 1 John 5. 14 to 15. Now, this is the confidence we have towards him. If we ask everything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know we have the request that we have asked of him. That is a pretty big verse, right? In everything, just like we look at Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens us. But the fact is, we have this limited ability to grasp God, we have a limited ability to grasp his purposes, his timing, the way he fulfills his prophetic promises. 
We can't fully understand it, but He is always, and we can trust, He's always aligning us with His will. And that is what this verse context means, according to His will. If we ask anything, He hears us and He we will receive what we ask of Him. And oftentimes, we, are, we have expectations that are not met when we pray. Isn't that right? Many of you are like still waiting and go, God, what, what, what's happening? Didn't you say this? You know, God, aren't you the healer? God, aren't you the savior? God, aren't you the provider? And I hear you. I have those prayers slash questions too. 1 Corinthians 13, 9 to 10 reminds us, we know in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And sometimes that's how limited we are in terms of aligning with God's will. But it helps to remember this morning that God is aligning us, right? That is a factor. And that we may too quickly feel devastated or disappointed because he has the longer view, but we don't. Last uh, factor is God's glory. And so this is the story, one of my favorite stories, which you've heard me speak from before about Lazarus. John 11, 4 says, um, this will not end in death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, I'm aware these are not exhaustive. These are just some factors from Scripture. Uh, I enjoyed uh, looking through and going through them, just being like, okay, there's so many. Okay, and, and factor, I call them factor because I see them more as elements that contribute to the outcome of our prayer. But I would hesitate to say that, oh, the moment you see this as a factor, that is the reason why my prayer is not answered. I think that sometimes, or oftentimes, it's a combination of that, and there's a lot more that we don't understand, right? So these are factors that affect the outcome of our prayer, and perhaps a combination of it is the reason why your prayer, my prayer, goes unanswered, right? I don't presume to know all of that. So with all that information, how are we to view or manage or, or cope with unanswered prayer when we go through it? And we see examples in the Bible. I'm going to show you two passages right? Uh, uh, later, and I'll explain it a bit more. We see examples in the Bible like Abraham who interceded for Sodom. Hezekiah asked for his life to be extended. The church praying for you know, the apostles to be released from prison, etc. And we hear testimonies of that. Lots of people experiencing different things like you know, God did this, God healed me, God delivered me, God saved him, and God fixed this problem in our family. All these things, we hear this, and that's awesome. Uh, we look at Acts chapter 12. While Peter was released... James was killed, right? The chains fell off uh, Peter's hands at uh, verse 7, but in verse 2, James was killed. And the next passage, look, Hebrews 11, the great passage of faith. It tells us that there are those who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, yada, yada, all the blue words. And then you come to the next part, but some were tortured. Some were mocked, chained, imprisoned, stoned, sawed in two destitute, afflicted, mistreated. And so while it helps to know the factors, there will be times in our lives we can't figure out 
what is the reason? Why? We can't figure out. It's the mystery. It's beyond what we can fathom. I'm not sure even if God tries to explain that we can grasp the, the, the manifold of his wisdom. But we, we, we don't always are able to figure it out. Isaiah 55, 8 reminds us, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are from the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. The truth is, if God were to really answer everything we pray right away, the way we hope, always, all the time, how would our relationship with God really be like? The believers wrestling with this is not necessarily a sign of unbelief. Now that's what I thought I would include today. If you are wrestling with unanswered prayer, it doesn't mean that you have unbelief. It could be a sign of faith. I liken it to, you know, uh, when my daughter, uh, there was a chair that was falling off and it knocked her and it caused pain. Uh, there was almost this immediate like, like look of like, Betrayal, like, why didn't you stop the chair from hitting me? Uh, uh, and, like, I was surprised and, like, oh, you know, partly, well, it's a compliment. Like, wow, you think my reflex so fast. Uh. Um, but, but then I went back and, and thought about it, and there, there's more than one occasion that this happened. Like, why, you know, mommy, why didn't you? you know, mommy, why you let this thing do this? It, it's a sign of belief. In, in what I am able to do, purportedly, if I had better reflexes, uh, <laughs> being a human, or it's also a sign of belief that that's my heart. My heart is to protect. My heart is to love. And it seems logical that, therefore, I would have protected fully, right? I'm just using that as an analogy to say uh, it is a sign of faith when we wrestle with God on this. Why? Why so much pain? Why, when he is such a good person? When we believe that God is good, when we believe that nothing is impossible for God, when we believe that everyone matters to him, even the one that is lost, the sheep, right, he would leave the 99 for that one. We believe that, yes, we believe on the cross, Jesus did everything. There is finality in that transaction, right? We believe that, but these beliefs can be shaken. And it's just like the trees in the biosphere having no wind to, to test their, the strength of their stability in their roots. Uh, these beliefs oftentimes need to be shaken. And they're just that way, just like that critical journey diagram uh, that we talked about. And perhaps in that case, then, the wall is what we need for growth and maturity, right? Lately, I've been quite captured by this phrase. Um, don't know why, because you don't have winter here. But uh, Samuel Rutherford, a 17th century uh, pastor in Scotland, I think, said this, I see that grace grows best, best <laughs> grows best in winter. And he wrote this passage that I cannot capture any better, so I'm going to read it for you. Not only, uh, this was him writing in a letter to someone else, not only does true grace grow best in winter, 
but winter is the best season for planting grace. He was talking to a young man. So he said, I was to be married, the young man said, but she died. And the winter cold that carried off this young man's future wife planted inside his plowed up heart the seeds of divine grace. And no doubt, all down the coming winters, the grace that was planted in winter will grow. It's not a speculation. It is a personal experience that hundreds can testify to. That, you know, through the many means of grace, whether it's, you know, reading scripture, having communion, all those things, uh, that it becomes means of grace for them to be sanctified even through big major afflictions the death of a bride, of a wife, a child, hope quenched forever. These are all needful as it would seem to be suffered so that we will wholly open our hearts to the grace of God. Like that verse that says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept your word. And it pains me to say this because I know that sometimes in the throes of that suffering, that pain of waiting, you don't really want to hear that. Maybe what Rutherford had in mind was that even in the winter time, listen to this, that there can be a grace that sustains you. Maybe you don't feel like you're flourishing. Maybe there is no skip in your step, joy in your faith for a period, maybe. But there is something there to sustain you until springtime. That though beneath the surface, you don't see it. The roots go down deeper. The kind of grace that gets you through those long, hard days when you don't feel the sun is shining anymore. That is when God is doing his deepest work. When you experience unanswered prayer, if you're wrestling with it, I want you to know this. You can cling to these three things. I hope it's not too simplistic, like it needs to be a three-point sermon. It was not intentional, it just came. Okay, so if you're wrestling with unanswered prayer, I want you to know this. You can cling to the goodness of God, community that is gospel-centered, and you can cling to means of grace that give you comfort and perseverance. And I pray that as we looked at these three areas, they will help you in some way to bear up the pain of the confusion you might feel, the grief that you may be bearing. And I say this because from looking through the survey, some of you actually say, I've, I'm not dealing with it. How are you dealing with the unanswered prayer and the doubts that we looked at, the, the chart? Some not dealing with it. I'm not sure if I dealt with it. Sweep under the carpet. I just try to accept it. Oh, I've been trying to deal with it for 10 years. Some say, I'm just angry. Some of us have recent unanswered prayer that we're dealing with. Some of us actually, it's residual. That's from three years ago, five years ago. Perhaps nothing has triggered it yet, but Take care to tend to what's happening in your heart, even as you hear what's next. I'm going to go into gospel-centered community first. First off is, can I just recommend that you don't isolate yourself from your faith community? And we mentioned this in the care and resources section. 
uh, for this series, you will find on our website. Lean into your community. The LG notes and the practice or action steps there are deliberate for you to process some of the things. They're not just for discussion, right? Ecclesiastes 4.12 tells us, though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand and threefold cord is not quickly broken. That can be a safe place. And I know it's not easy to create if you don't feel like uh, you have it yet. Be, perhaps, can I encourage you to be a part of making your life group a safe place together. Be part of the, 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 the culture of creating that safety. Gospel-centered here doesn't mean we Bible bash. It's gospel-centered means that it is the gospel that motivates our posture of listening to each other's stories, bearing each other's burdens, our attitudes towards loving each other. That's what it means uh, so that we can all experience that growth and that transformation in our heart and we can all help each other. And if we can't do that with our faith community, we're better. And I know we are, you know, we've got room to improve. Let's improve. Let's make our, our community a safer place for each other. And we can't be to that level of vulnerability with everyone, of course, but at least, you know, with a handful as your faith community, you've got to not isolate yourself, okay? And it will help you through this season. Seek counsel is another one. Seek counsel and companionship. Find perhaps a spiritual director, a prayer partner, a mentor. Um, the books help. Uh, some of the books, right, we recommend it, like in the care and resources. Proverbs 4 reminds us to seek wisdom, to get insight. Now lean in with those you are free to be vulnerable with, right? Free to have them speak God's heart into your life and pray with you. Be selective but still intentional. Next one is grace for comfort. What do we do to cling on to this grace for comfort? Tend faithfully to your life rhythms, okay? Be careful not to spiral down some like habit that's not helpful. Uh, these are not forever. These moments is like the Saturday, the awkward Saturday between Good Friday and, and Resurrection Sunday. It's that like waiting, uh, darkness, gloom a little bit, but the joy is coming, right? I love this verse from Psalm 30. His anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes with the morning. That is our Christian hope. So tend faithfully to your rhythms. You know, even in our anger, frustration, or helplessness, we trust that an interior deepening can happen by God's grace. And so we make room for rhythms in our life that place us in that grace, that receive that grace. Take a look at your rule of life. Review if something's not life-giving or you know, just you know, you switch things up with your devotional life, whatever it is, tend to what's happening in your life rhythms. Help, uh, that helps you to grow. And so part of that is this, grow honesty and depth in your prayer life, right? Psalm 139 says, search my heart. Now, there are different ways we can pray, right? Uh, consider... Um, like Romans 11, right? We prayed, we said, Lord, answer the prayers. I would pray if I knew everything you know. Better yet, teach me how to pray. We invite Holy Spirit to pray the words we don't have, trust Jesus to intercede for us, and 
Ask God to change us in the ways that we cannot on our own. That's one way we can pray. Or we pray the Lord's Prayer, learn to pray it deeper, and, you know, study that. How does the Lord's Prayer align our will with His? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's prayed even by Jesus, right, in Gethsemane. We pray like, you know, like Daniel and his friends. You know, I know you are Lord. I know you can. But even if you don't, okay, I'm choosing to follow you. That's one way we can pray. There's different prayers. One other way that perhaps is new to some of us and is uncomfortable is to learn to lament and not gloss over our sadness. Jesus himself is called the man of sorrows. Why? Because he understands the place of lamenting. Habakkuk understood it. Jeremiah understood it. Read the book of Lamentations. So, so, so much. So many psalms are lament psalms. Uh, Romans 8 tells us the spirit groans with us. And so don't gloss over. You're like, ah, you know, these are for sappy people. No need to lament. Just get over it. Yeah. Yes, in some way, yes. But then I think even if you don't feel you're in a place of lament, I'll say check them out. Look through them and learn to sit just in that place where God opens up new vocabulary in your prayer life for the winter time that might come, even if you're not in that now. Ronald Roheiser says in his book, Prayer, anyone who prays only when she can bring along her heart and soul will not sustain prayer for long. We know that. But the habit of prayer, the ritual, simple fidelity, showing up to do it, no matter the feeling, the mood, can sustain prayer for a lifetime and rein in the roaming of the head and heart. Struggling with God's will and offering resistance to what it calls us to can be a bad thing, but it also can be a mature form of prayer. And from here, I want to bring us to land soon with this, the goodness of God. Can we trust that God's best is good? You know, sometimes we easily respond like, yeah, God wants the best for you, you know? God wants the best for me. Can we really trust that it's for good? Sometimes the most loving thing God can do is to not answer our prayer. It pains me to say that, but it's true. On hindsight, I can recall significant moments in my life where if I look back, I'm like, God... I'm so grateful you didn't answer it the time that I asked you to, the way that I asked you to. I couldn't have known it then. But now I look back, I'm so grateful. C.S. Lewis writes, prayer is request. And the essence of what he says is that the fact that we can, as finite creatures, request, of course God can sometimes grant them. And of course sometimes he refuses them. So Swoboda says, if the cup of suffering had been taken away, we would all be alienated from God. But in the economy of God's grace, he can save the world by a prayer that goes unanswered. Jesus in Gethsemane, Father, if there is any way possible, remove this cup from me. Jesus prayed, right? God didn't answer that prayer. And therefore, we are saved. That's what Swoboda means. God's silence is not his absence. We must not mistake them to be the same. And so with all this, do we still pray? Yes, we pray anything, small, petty, trivial, to major global things. Pray, pray anyway, because his best is good for us. Even when we don't feel like it, even when it's hard to understand, even when we bring our frustration and anger, we pray anyway. Psalm 84 is linked to a story 
that really inspired me, a, a man named George Mueller. And I'll end soon. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now, George Mueller was a man who went through so many deaths in his life. He had four kids with his first wife, and his first wife uh, uh, died, and, and this is where the Psalm 84 was significant in his life. But with this wife, Mary, he had four children, and you know, uh, for different reasons, all four of them left him before he himself died. So he buried basically four of his children and his first wife, and then his second. Now he used this verse, George Mueller, uh, he read this to his wife in the last days of her life. And so, so George Mueller is an amazing man. He, he, you know, read up on him. Uh, he's just a, such a great heart for orphans, uh, for people who, uh, don't, yeah, who don't have parents, who didn't have anywhere to go. And he read this scripture with his wife before she died, and this is what he said. I said to myself, George writes, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. I am a poor, worthless sinner, but I've been saved. I don't live in sin. I walk uprightly. Therefore, if it is really good for me that my wife will be raised up, even as sick as she is, God will restore her. But if she is not restored, then that means it's not a good thing for me. So my heart is at rest. I'm satisfied with God. And all this springs, as I have often said, from taking God at his word. If God pleases to take my dearest wife, it means it is good. Just like he is good. Now, this story hit me because it takes <laughs> some level of relationship with God to recognize that. And perhaps some of us take a little while but ultimately, I believe if we would cling on to gospel-centered community through the means of grace in our lives that place us where we are able to receive comfort and perseverance, we are able to know that God is good. God doesn't just understand your pain. He suffers with us. You know Daniel's three friends who says, even if God doesn't save us from this fire, we will still follow God. A.W. Tozer says, sometimes I go to God and I say, God, if you never answer another prayer while I live, I will still worship you. God has already put me so far in debt that if I were to live one million millenniums, I couldn't pay him for what he's done for me. Living in the presence of God as the greater call is what I want to just end on. God wants to give us himself. Imagine just where you are right now if there is a prayer that's unanswered or multiple or there's someone who's praying for something and you know you've been praying for them as well. Jeremiah 29 tells us not just God has a good plan. The verses go on to 11 to say, you will find me 
you will not find answers to your prayer. He says, you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. God wants to give us himself. His great aim has always been relationship with us. And you know, last week, Pastor Andre said, the goal of deconstruction is not perfect theology. Do you remember that? But it is finding our way back to Jesus, who is himself perfect theology. He is himself what we need. Everything I have said before this is not it. If you are wrestling with unanswered prayer, everything I've said doesn't resolve the fact that God wants you to encounter His presence, His love for you. We've said maybe, Lord, I've followed you all my life. I have given you years of my service. Or God, he or she has been praying and fasting. Why? God, why are you not coming through for them? Why is there so much suffering? I cannot reconcile that God is good when I see what's happening around me. All these things in our hearts. God, you said, if I ask whatever it is in your name, you will give it. God, you said that whatever I ask, you will answer and my joy will be complete. God, you said that we just need to abide in you. I abide in you. Where is the answer? Why are you not coming through for me? Why are you not coming through for her? Him, why are you not coming through for these people? Why? God, where is the answer? And I encourage you just to get with God and throw this, throw this out so you can, not that He doesn't know, but you know in relationship, and I am often learning this, I expect my husband to know what I'm thinking, my children to know when I'm not happy, it's different when I sit down and I, can I talk to you? Can I just tell you what I'm feeling right now? Can I be honest with you, God? Can I tell you what's on my heart? Because if I don't tell you, I cannot talk to you as though it's not there. And some of us, maybe we've done very well to kind of deal with it, but some of you, I pray that God does a deeper work if you would let Him. Not because of the content of what I've said, but at least maybe you are reminded today that God's goodness is faithful. And if nothing else, He Himself is your answer. He is your answer. And He goes beyond what we can ever ask or imagine. So get with God. Get in that place, your secret place, and just trash it out with Him. 
and trust that He will come through because He loves you and He will ensure that He is for you and that you know it. So I invite you to just respond to God on your own. We're going to respond with the worship team soon. Just wherever you are, if it helps you to focus, just close your eyes for a minute before we sing the song. Just close your eyes and just open up your hands. And if there is an unanswered prayer, whether in your own life or in the lives of someone you know, perhaps someone who you are interceding for as well, someone who is going through unanswered prayer, or it's yourself. If there is, would you just close up one of your hands in a fist? There's an unanswered prayer that you that comes to mind right now. So you just fist up one of your hands like this. And I want to invite you to just use your own words to verbalize, to say to God what your thoughts and feelings are about this prayer that has been unanswered. Talk to Him about it right now. Never mind you feel like it's petty or it's like too long ago. If that's what comes to mind, bring that to Him right now. Talk to Him just for these next few seconds. Mm-hmm. 